Podcast number 72. 72. Two skinny ties back once again for a, another episode here from our uh, News 5 studios. Um, we've got another one lined up for you. A pretty good one, too. As you take a nice sip of coffee right as I, right as I wait for I don't know how I was supposed to talk take, there. Take the baton, Trent. Um, man, I tell you what, I'm pumped about this one. This one is like, so we've been trying to get something like this going for, it's been a couple years now. Uh, I think the five, podcast probably. has only been going on for about six months. But so <laughs> five years in the making. Yes, there she sure. is. Yeah. There she is. So we are pumped. Uh, we are super pumped about our guest today. Yeah, we're talking to Mary Santora, um, a local comedian here in the Cleveland area. This is kind of like what I envisioned when I first wanted to start a podcast, was to talk to uh, local people in the Cleveland area, local comedians in mm-hmm. the Cleveland area. Um, you were just named, let me see if I get this correctly, because I wrote it down. <laughs> Don't get it wrong. Ohio uh, Thrillists. 50 and 50, the best undiscovered comedian in Ohio. Yes. So there were 50 of these selections. For 50 states, For yes. 50 states, mm-hmm. and you were Ohio's selection. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, congratulations. Yeah. That was a Thank year ago, Thank you. Correct? It was uh, October of last year. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of that. Congratulations, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I actually, when I got the email for that, that was something that I didn't even know was going on, and I actually was driving back from a nightmare gig in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which is like... 10 hours, nine hours, um, and I was so upset. I was like, I just did not do well. It was in like the side room of a casino. So people were only there because they like lost all their money gambling. <laughs> it was Nobody's happy to start with. Yeah, you could still smoke inside there. So it was like the whole room was filled with smoke. It's all these old people because it's a slots only casino. So oh. it was just, it was not set up for success. And I went up cold, which means there's nobody before me. Yeah. And I had to do 30 minutes, which is a long time That's to a do. Long, that seems like a long time. It's a long time to do without an opener because they're like, they don't even know who you are and then you got to kind of like get the show going and then you're up there for a half hour like why is this good is she a waitress like what is going on right now um but it did not go well and I was driving home and I was like man what am I doing like I'm driving 10 hours to not do well and I'm like all upset and everything and I got the email from Thrillist that was like hey we're doing this thing it's like a kind of a spotlight on comics from every state and uh we talked to a couple club owners and other comedians and your name came up a lot and it was it was just kind of like I had to. I pulled over at like a rest stop, and I was like, "Oh, that's why I'm doing it." You know what I mean? Because even when these these gigs don't go very well, something cool like this always comes along. So that was a very like when that came out, I was like, "Oh man!" So people are listening. Yeah, like someone val- cares. Little validation so. though makes you feel right, good. especially after such a nightmare gig. Right. You know. So over but, yeah. the last year since that's came out, I mean, has it? Have you had any more of those nightmare gigs? I mean, ha- oh, have all you the just- time. Like <laughs> people don't get it. <laughs> it's the most gigs are pretty terrible. It's one of the those things where it's just like how did you even think that this would be a good time for comedy or or whatever it might be but yeah it's some of I mean okay I don't want to say most gigs but a lot of gigs on the road you're usually playing some small town um and it'll be it it can go one way or the other it'll be like six people at an Elks club and you're like oh this is great this is is like a conversation yeah really like Jared Sandy thanks for coming out exactly exactly you know everybody by name by the end of it um, but then sometimes when you play those small towns, the whole town comes out. So it's one of those things where there's four or 500 people in a banquet room, but they're all like, this is the only thing going on that whole month. So it's kind of give and take, but uh, yeah, there's plenty of nightmare gigs and there's plenty of those gigs that you remember forever that are just like, oh, this is amazing, you know, so. How'd you get started? How long have you been doing this now? Uh, in February, it'll be eight years. Um, so I actually was in college at the time and a girlfriend of mine was in like a business fraternity. It was like a co-ed thing. And they were putting on a student stand-up competition at the University of Toledo. It was called Last Rocket Standing. Ooh, so this is like when oh, Last Comic Standing was really <laughs> yes. big. And so uh, there were 10 contestants, and they had nine guys. And she was like, hey, I really want a girl on this. We haven't had any girls apply. Like, do you want to do it? I know you're into comedy. 
And I did it, and I was, like, super nervous about it. But then, like, from the – sounds so lame when I tell this story. <laughs> like, the minute you get that first big laugh where you're like, oh, this is different. Like, this is not – this is something that is – this is going to stick, you know. And it, it, I was hooked from that moment on. And then I ended up taking, like, a comedy class out there and then uh, moved home, like, dropped out of school. Uh, I did I – t- I, t- I did my first set February 23rd of 2012 and I withdrew from my classes in April Wow! and I was like this is I don't need to be a math teacher I was in pharmacy school and then I switched my education or my major to math education and I hated all of it and then it was like (laughs) I found this I'm like I'm gonna be famous in six months you guys don't even know me and then it's not then I bartended for eight years um but yeah so do you remember the bit that like got that initial uh, reaction or the no I remember kind of a few things I did a lot of like obviously Toledo heavy references where I talked about the university and stuff I made fun of a couple different bars around campus that those got big laughs and um, I, I had a really terrible car, so I like would <laughs> knock on. I mean, college students making fun of their yeah, terrible yeah. cars. All, yeah. yeah, so it's all relatable. Yeah, yeah, so it was just very much so some twenty-two-year-old BS where I'm like, this is what I've got going on, and and people related, and that was cool. It'll be like, oh well, okay, maybe I can do this kind of a thing. So, did you win? The I last rocket standing? No, I did not. <laughs> uh, actually, a very good buddy of mine who's made it much further in comedy than I have. Um, his name is Brad Wenzel. He's done Conan a couple times. He uh, he's all over. He's living in L.A. now. He's doing really well for himself. Uh, he actually was also in that competition and he beat me. Um, oh, nice, but he nice. had already been doing comedy for like two years. So do you so. have like a little Toledo rivalry now with this? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's a good dude. I love him. He's he's one of my really good friends. So, awesome. so before Toledo, where'd you grow up? Berea. Mm-hmm. Berea. Yeah, born okay. and raised right here in Cleveland, so right by the airport. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Never, and never any comedy chops before you got to got to college? That was the, your first experience? No, I, I mean, I did. I was a cheerleader forever. I did that through middle school, high school, college, all that. And then um, I was in theater in, like, middle school, like, just plays and stuff. Um, so being in front of people was never an issue. Like, group projects, I'm always like, let me take the lead. You know, like, <laughs> I got this PowerPoint. Like, um, But, yeah, no, I had never had any type of, like, comedic exposure i guess or, that's, that's yeah. awesome though yeah yeah pretty great what's next oh boy i don't know is that is that like the, the question that like nobody wants to hear it's like well, no uh, it's it's just where one do you of those see yourself in five years yeah, yeah. You? <laughs> <laughs> no it's just one of those things where it's like it's such a up and down business like i said you have you could have one of the worst sets of your life and then get an email that is like oh man this is awesome you know um so it's kind of hard to tell what's next it's a very like day by day month by month how about how about less uh, futuristic next couple weeks where are you headed? oh next couple weeks <clears throat> yeah so i'm going uh to, i'm going on the road because i'm so smart and my planning is fantastic <laughs> i'm going to minnesota north dakota Ooh. wisconsin back through chicago yeah in november with my little <laughs> kia so hopefully it doesn't i have all the like the cities on my weather app already and it's not supposed to snow We'll see because I'm gone. In, I know. <laughs> you can't trust me. I know. I'm gone until the 25th, which is actually my 30th birthday. Oh, nice. Um, but I'll be back. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I'll be back then. Um, but we'll see. All this of those weather people, we just, we just, we just try to throw information out there. It, it just. Are you a like weather a, person? Yes. I didn't do any of my research. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Uh, which is what yes. I meant by you can't trust them. That's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Oh, He's yes. like, oh, that's my job. We're all liars. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we all guess. Us. That's all great. of us. Um, so you're going to be driving essentially cross country. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty far up there. I'm going, um, my first stop is Indianapolis on Wednesday. And then I'm going from there up into Wisconsin for two nights over to Minnesota. And then I'm in Minneapolis for like four days and then to Dakotas and then to Wisconsin and then home. So I might stop in Chicago on the way home, but it's, so it's like 
this is kind of what's cool about doing comedy is that it's a little bit flexible because I'm like, all right, my last show is the 24th. And then my birthday is the 25th. So I can either drive home all day on my birthday or I can stop and see a friend of mine uh, who has a pretty big show in Chicago. And I'm like, and I can go watch that yeah. and be there and, and then just drive like home the next day. Very so. synonymous with comedy, too. With yeah, the- Chicago's got a great comedy scene. So, yeah. I think that's what I'm going to end up doing and then drive home on the 26th. So we'll see. You talked about, and and this is one of the things that always interests me when I talk to, or when I hear people talk about comedians and comedy, and you talked about taking a comedy class at Toledo. Mm -hmm. There's an art form to writing jokes. I mean, it's not just like, I mean, what, what is that like? What was that like to, to, to have that experience? So the comedy class is a little different. Um, I, th- I think I got what I needed out of it. Some of them aren't great. Some of them are just like road dogs who don't do it anymore trying to take your money. Um, so there can be scams, and I want people to be aware of that if it's something you're looking into. Um, there's a couple really great ones out there, but the guy that I took a class with, uh, he was a writer for Leno and everything like that. So he was a legit dude, and it wasn't super expensive. So basically you learn like joke structure and how to be on stage and what to do move the mic stand like all the very basic things that you could learn at an open mic that you absolutely could learn on your own as you go but it's just kind of someone laying it out for you um which is cool and very helpful i only did it for like six months and then i moved back to cleveland so it kind of gave me just the the basis that i needed of like, okay, here's how you write a joke. This is what a setup is. This is what a twist is. This is what a punchline is. This is kind of the, you know, well, how it works. There's an art to it all. I mean, there you know, there really just, is. And huh. people don't really, usually, okay, so the better the comedian is, the easier they make it look, right? So if they're up there and it just seems like they're having a conversation with you, that's because they've been doing it for 20 years. And it is second nature to them. And it's funny because you see an, a, like a, a less experienced comic kind of nervous or it's very, um, the delivery is just very joke, 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 joke. You know what I mean? They're not very comfortable. And it's like, oh, that, that looks harder because they don't have it as fine-tuned yet. Right. So it's just funny to me when people will be like, oh, this I feel like I could do that. And I'm like, you couldn't. <laughs> no, you right. absolutely I say, cannot. I look, like at it, it. I look at it and I'm like, there's no chance. There's, there's no, no way, way I could ever do that. Yeah. Do you, where do you, I guess, where do you find yourself on that, um, I don't know if spectrum is the correct word That's for fine. that, but like, um, I mean, on, on that path of like starting out, feeling comfortable up there, I mean, do you still get nervous? It's, I don't know if nervous is the right word. I get excited. I get anxious. I get like, oh, I'm ready to go. Um, I'm coming up on eight years, which uh, I feel like between seven and 10 is when you kind of start to get it. It takes that long because, I mean, it's not a natural thing to do to get in front of a crowd and be able to kind of take everybody on this journey of whatever you're saying, whether it's, you know, obviously laughs, but there's points where you want to take them and be like, hey, we get a little serious for a minute and come back around. Um, But just... It's funny because people, uh, a term that's used a lot is finding your voice. When you find your voice in comedy is that's when you're able to just say truly, wholeheartedly, honestly, this is how I feel. This is what I believe. uh, And here's why that's funny. So that takes a while. And I think I'm really starting to get to that point. I'm not 100% there yet. um, But I know what I want to say. I'm trying to figure out how to say it and trying to make it funny along the way. So coming up to, you know, (laughs) getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. This is a stupid question. But Can't on, wait. But on a Can't st- wait. I didn't know your job, okay? <laughs> okay, okay? You invited me here, and I was like, what do you do? So I don't think that there's stupid um, questions. <laughs> so uh, what was it? Oh, yeah, on a scale of 1 to 10, Kay. like how funny do you think you are? Oh, boy. Like, I don't know. Because like, like when people... 11. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, right. Four? No, no, just, no just because like you've been doing it for a while, and like you're obviously hilarious obviously do you think you're funny like in in your head like when you I mean do you think you're funny to yourself I mean I mean I wouldn't do it if I didn't and there's it's I hate to say it like that but there's a certain 
there's a certain amount of ego that goes with it where you're a person who's like, you guys need to hear what I have to say. Like, <laughs> well, there's there's you know a confidence I mean? in it also. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've always been like a funny goofball class clown, that kind of a thing where I joke around with people, very sarcastic. Um, so that's always been in there and then to take it on stage. So I, I, I hate to sound, I think I'm super fun. But <laughs> <laughs> I do, and most of my jokes fall flat on my face. I see it every day on Twitter. Like, right. right. Three that likes. Such a good one. Well, there's so many times where I'll do Three that likes. too where I'll take something on stage and I'm like dude this is hilarious and people just stare at me and I'm like just the other Whoops. day I want to do this joke so badly that does not work anytime I do it where I talk about how stupid I feel when I zip up my hair in my coat and how see just that's <laughs> <laughs> only only that's because I've never had I've never only had that because experience neither though. one of us have long right. hair <laughs> so that's the thing is that it's pretty much only toward women and there's I mean the small percentage of men who have long hair and then like women who have done that before. So it's such a small percentage of people <laughs> that it's like the, nobody gets what I'm talking about here. And I like try to do a whole act out of like getting my hair caught. And it's just it doesn't work. And I think it's hilarious. <laughs> and we'll figure it. This is one of those things where it's like it'll work You're, one day. I was going to say it's like, going to like it's going to hit one day. Put it on the back like, burner and remember it. And we'll see what happens. How, but. Do, how do you typically like judge it? Like you mentioned having things on the back burner. Like how do you judge a crowd? Like do you... Uh, and do you alter, I guess, like some of the material that you're going to use on a given night? Like, oh, these guys, this crowd's feeling a little bit, you know, they're a little bit more laid back or mm-hmm. they're not as, as engaged. How do you react to that? So that's like one of the things that comes with, like we were talking about being more comfortable and knowing your voice and things like that. Um, ideally, you wouldn't have to, not wouldn't have to, but you wouldn't change your material at all for the crowd that you're in front of. Like, this, this is my material. This is what it is. This is how I sell it. This is true to me. But... To the same degree, if you're in front of, you know, say a much older crowd on like a Saturday show at 7 p.m., these are the people who are eating dinner at 5, maybe take some of the swear words out. You know, just things like that where you don't have to do those kind of things, but it's like, hey, they'd probably appreciate, or if you're in front of a corporate audience where it's like, we'll do a little bit of a cleaner show and then a drunk, rowdy Friday late show that got there at 10.30 and had been drinking all night, you can be a little bit more loose. You can do a little bit of the more dirty material, things like that. Um, So it's kind of just staying on your toes enough that if you're going in one direction and they are really hating it, you're like, okay, let's switch gears. Let's, <laughs> let's not do maybe this maybe we're not into the divorce material. So all right, this is hitting a little too close to home for some of you. We'll go talk about whatever. You know what I mean? Awesome, so, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the divorce material. Wow, there's a lot like, of divorcees yeah. in this room. Yeah, right. There's sometimes you say, say say things and people just immediately clam up on you and you're like, didn't realize. All right, sorry guys. Jeez, you know. Do you notice that? Like if you're like, um, like with eye contact and stuff like that, we don't get that. We're on TV. We yeah. see a camera lens. When mm-hmm. we, that's we don't see any reaction. So you get to see people's eyes. Do you prefer to see a reaction and hear them laugh, or would? I mean, I guess you're you're, you're j- gauging the whole thing, right? Well, I mean, a laugh is what you want when you're telling jokes. So right, that's right, like the right. whole I mean, idea of it. <laughs> I, I, no, but just, I get what you're saying. Where um, being able to see, a lot of times you can only see like the first couple rows and then the rest of it's really dark. Um, but you can feel it. You can feel if a room gets tense. You can feel if they're like, okay. we don't like that joke. Like I have a joke that kind of alludes to uh, some like uh, like a Planned Parenthood type of situation, right? And um, I told it in Indiana, and they were like, 
no oh. like immediately and so you're in a you're, you're in a mainly like heavily republican yeah, state yeah. and it's one of those things where you're like i knew that wasn't going to go over well but it's my joke and i stand by it and i'm going to say what i have I to say you know but you can feel it you can okay. feel people i mean you've been in an awkward conversation yeah. where someone will say something and you're like dude yep. like you know and it's <laughs> today yeah see there you go you um, can feel yes. when people get uncomfortable when they get tense and then you can also feel when they're wholeheartedly on board with right. you when they are like yes we agree we are there and you can kind of ride those those energies and those waves differently so does that roll into changing into the whole youtube era where things are on on video and you can't see the reactions and stuff like that do you do things because when i looked you up this morning it was all youtube videos mm -hmm. how do you know like i mean i guess you're gauging you're judging the audience there mm -hmm. but like is it different? Do you plan different things to, that are going to be on YouTube as opposed have, to live? Or I have a really, really bad habit of uh, freezing up in front of a camera. I don't do well in front of cameras. I really don't, and I don't know what it is. And every time I try to record a set, I like record a set for video to send in because you send in submissions. So if a club has never seen you before, you send them a tape or to a comedy festival or to whatever. And when it gets to the point to Conan, to late nights. Um, but for whatever reason, as soon as that camera comes on, I freak out and I'm like, oh, this has to be perfect. This has to be perfect. And that that's not great because instead of going up and having fun and being in the moment, I'm rigid, I'm nervous. And then the crowd can sense that they're people too. They yeah. know they pick up on emotions. So when I'm, I'm rigid and nervous, they're rigid and nervous. I'm like, why is she still being so weird right now? You know? So <laughs> it's one of those things where the more natural and the more comfortable you are, the more comfortable the audience is going to be and the more receptive to your jokes are going to be. So it's one of those things that I'm still working on that. And some people have no problem in front of cameras. Some people are weird in front of cameras their whole career. So it's just something I've never really gotten used to. So it's everyone says, you know, record all your sets. If you record every set, then it won't be weird when you have to, when you have to get a good one, you know? So it's something that I'm still working on, but I don't know what it is. When that camera gets in my face, I'm like, <laughs> it wasn't perfect, you know, and I freak out. Do, um, do you have a, like a dream set or set or spot that you would like to perform? Boy, I don't know. Not I mean, everyone wants to, no, no, you're fine. Everybody wants to do a late night. Everybody yeah. wants to do a Netflix. Everybody wants to eventually sell something to HBO, you know? Um, at the point where I'm at right now, I'm like, I just want to be consistently working and doing well. I want my material to do well no matter where I am. If I'm in Alabama, it'll do the same as if I'm in Portland. And that's how you can really gauge if the if your jokes are good is that they work everywhere in front of every audience. Most, I mean, some people just aren't going to like you. That's just what it comes down right. to. Um, or some jokes just aren't good. Um, but <laughs> so I guess I don't know if it's really like a certain goal or aspiration. There's definitely, you want it, like I said, late night Netflix. There's definitely those ticks, but it's like, I kind of just want to be good. I just want to be good all the time. And most of the time, you're going to have bad sets. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I want to be cool to work with and easygoing and just be like, oh, Mary, yeah, she's great. You know, that's, she's the best. She's so funny. That's, I want other people to say that kind of thing. And it's to be consistently true, you know, and say like, oh, I saw her one time and it was a nightmare. Like that was, <laughs> whoo, real bad, you know. Is that how it goes to like the, the, like the late night stuff, like the Conan? You mentioned Conan earlier. Mm -hmm. Is it like word of mouth or do you apply for that? So or how does that yeah, you can send in a tape and say, hey, here's five minutes. This is what I want to do on TV. Send it in and they'll watch it. Or um, it really, really helps if one of their people sees you. So that's, that's why it's so heavily based in New York and LA because that's where these, these people are located. So if they're out at a random showcase and you have a really good set, then they'll be like, hey, send me your tape. 
you know, I work for, I'm a producer for Conan or whatever it might be. Or if you have a friend who did it. So there's a lot of different avenues. Um, but the absolute best audition you can have is in person. If somebody actually sees you working with a crowd and, uh, and then obviously after that, they'll be like, oh, send it in so I can show other people kind of, but, uh, which is why a tape is so important right. and I need to get over freezing in front of We've got like cameras. four cameras in this yeah, room there's right like, There's one right there actually. Oh, now <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not like, it's here's not my on. five <laughs> minutes that I want to do. Yeah. It is it's not, not on. on. It's oh, another well, thing that doesn't go. work. Can I hear? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it actually probably doesn't work. It doesn't even work. work. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Oh, man. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's really cool. So, I like it. The local comedy scene here in Cleveland, mm-hmm. what, how would you describe that? Uh, what, what's it like? Um, and then what's it like to, you know, to meet some of these other artists that are, you know, going through the same path as you? So, there's... It's pretty cool because comedy, like anything else, has classes. You know, like you get hired at the same time as someone at a job and you guys are kind of, you're doing it together, you know. So it's it's really cool to see being, now going on eight years and seeing like younger classes coming up and seeing, um, I shouldn't use the word younger, newer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anybody starts at any time. I'll say, I have a bad habit of that. I'll be like, oh, this younger comic and he's 40. I'm like, newer. He just started a year ago, you know. Younger um, than this. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then I look like an idiot. Like you're I'm my, just like a jerk. Like now. I'm talking down to everyone. I'm 30 like this younger coming you know um but so it's cool to see the kind of the development of a scene when I first started uh there was a couple mics a week and so open mics are where you go to do brand new material and anybody can do it so at a show up go up is what it's called so you literally show up write your name down you get to go on stage um that's basically what kind of open mic form is and a lot of those are at bars um there's so many I mean there's a a bunch every every week way more than when I started which is really cool to see a scene kind of grow and develop um so you kind of start in open mics and and those are very low pressure it's just like hey I kind of just want to see how this joke works what the reaction is it's usually in front of other comics um but Cleveland's a small enough scene that there's usually some at least a couple audience members at least a few people who aren't comedians that you can kind of bounce it off of and then after open mics is showcases so that's something you get booked on you usually get to do a little bit longer time maybe eight to ten minutes and that's where you want to take some more tried and true material even if it's still on the newer side you've done it a couple times at an open mic you know that it's working you can throw some new stuff in and usually you'll have a few jokes that you know work that you can do well and that's more of an audience-based show and Cleveland has some really really great ones of those too um, Bill Squire who's a co-host on Alan Cox show he has um, a great rooms on Mondays Thursdays and he does some monthlies and stuff like that too uh, so he helps build that up a lot as far as showcases go which is so important to get in front of a, an audience because if you're just doing it at drunk people at a bar, it's going to kind of shape the material that you do because then you're like, oh, this is what works here. So right. it might be a little dirtier. You might be relying heavily on swear words or whatever it might be. And then when you get in front of audience who's there on purpose and you're like, oh, why isn't this working? It's like, oh, because it's not the same environment or whatever it might be. Um, That's so interesting. You're saying on purpose. Who are there on purpose? Oh, because like a lot of there. open mics, people are not there on purpose. Yeah. They're there drinking or eating, and then you're like, "Hey, we're gonna do a comedy show, everybody!" And they're like, "What the hell?" Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this makes, is, I never even thought about that. Yeah, you know, it makes like, all the difference in the world when people come in knowing, "Oh, this is comedy night. I'm here to see comedy." It makes all the difference in the world. Um, so Cleveland has a lot of different showcases. Uh, and a lot of different people who run those. And then after that is obviously booked shows where it's usually fewer comics, three or four, host, feature act, headliner. Um, so, and we have a great scene for that too. I mean, hilarity is the improv, the funny stop in Cuyahoga Falls. There's a bunch of different um, 
like funny bones and improvs that you can drive to from here within a couple hours. So Cleveland has a really good base for kind of every level that you're at. Whether you're doing open mics or you're headlining clubs, you can get it all here, which is really cool. And I don't think a lot of people in the comedy industry realize that. Where, you know, you mentioned New York, L.A., Chicago, Atlanta, the big hubs for comedy, you know. On a smaller scale, we have everything that you need to develop and become a great comedian right here in Cleveland, which is which is great. And I people utilize it. I was going to say, case in point, you. Yeah. Oh. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, this yeah. is an awesome story, though. Yeah. You talked about um, the particular um, crowd that you might get on a, on, a, on a given night, whether they're there specifically to see comedy, mm-hmm. um, which is one thing that kind of blows my mind in today's climate landscape. Like, You go to a comedy show, you expect... You know, to be entertained and to Entertain laugh. Entertain me. Well, I, and, <laughs> right. and what, Are you not entertained? And well, what 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 blows my mind is that some people will be upset about some jokes, and it's like we're just here to have a good time, man. And it's uh, it happens every show. You, every single show, handle, someone gets that? triggered. Somebody gets. I don't think you should talk about that. And I'm like, well, it's something that happened to me, so I'm sorry that my life offends you, but I don't really know what to say to you, man. I mean. It's tough because comics have this free speech debate. And and yeah, I don't think that there is anything that's off limits. If it's something that's true to you and it's something that happened in your life or it's something that you have a, you know, a strong grip on and you can make it funny, it doesn't matter what the subject material is. Um, Now that I'm not, I am absolutely, if you're listening to this, I am not telling you to go out and make (laughs) jokes and like, no, that is not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you can do it in a way that takes a dark situation and makes it funny, then more power to you. You absolutely should. Um, That takes a very long time to get good at. Uh, As far as audience members getting upset about it, it's something that I've never really understood where I'm just like, I don't get why you're here. Right. And a lot of times it's someone who was brought with somebody. So somebody on a date and like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Or like a group of five and one person has no idea, have never seen a comedy show before or whatever it might be. Um, And then there's some people who just want to be they just want to be pissed off. They just want to be aggravated. They want to be annoyed. And it's like, I can't do anything for you. If you came somewhere that is an entertainment like based and you just want to be mad and sad and angry, then right. you have your own things that you need to be working through. Like, and especially if I'm doing a 45 minute set and there was one minute and a half joke that you didn't like, and that's what you're going to hold on to for the rest of your night, then you know what, man? I'm sorry that you're you're in such a bad place. Like, I tried to help. I tried to make you laugh. But if you want to be upset about this 30 seconds that I said, then I'm, I'm not going to change your mind. That's, a, you that's like, refreshing to hear. Right? That's great to hear. Um, well, so, it's, uh, there's a lot of comics who be like, I'll say whatever the hell I want. But right. it's not like that. It's one of those where it's like, I don't mean to offend anybody. I never go I up with the intention inti- yeah. to upset people. But there's a lot of people who are just like, you can't talk about them. Like, well, the funny thing is, is you can't tell me what I can't talk about. So it's my microphone. <laughs> it it's is. Response right yeah. there. Well, one more outburst out of you, I will strangle you with my microphone. Right. <laughs> and it's like I'm glad that you're one of 200 people who didn't like the joke. But did you hear the other 199 laughing? So maybe you need to work through some stuff. Maybe take a look inside. You know. <laughs> so if we want to be entertained, if we want to go uh, see you or see anybody in Cleveland, where do we go? Where would you say you know for any of these you know open mic like you said what show up and go up. Show up, go up. Yeah, show that's, up, up, that's can, for, can anybody just show up with that? Literally and, anybody. You could walk in, write your name on the list, and you get five minutes. Well, without like... No being, prior anything. First time on stage. What if I just want to show up and not go up? I just want to show up and, <laughs> show up and watch oh, people yeah, yeah, go yeah, and watch everybody go up. <laughs> <laughs> so I think pretty much everybody has Facebook at this point. Um, there's a, a group called the Cleveland Akron Comedy Page, and there's a tagged post that has literally every single mic, showcase, club, whatever it might be, 
listed in like a tagged post so oh, that way nice. you can see it it's all there and it's updated pretty regularly so it should be up to date um and what's that called again the cleveland akron comedy page on okay. facebook um and then for You're myself personally <laughs> yeah there you go uh i'm always posting on my social media so my instagram is mary santora comedy that's probably what i use the most twitter mary underscore santora and then my website is just mary com. so i have all my dates listed there pictures i write for a local magazine called pressure life um really great dudes over there and they do an awesome publication about every six weeks so i have like a loosely based dating column there so you can see all of my um past pieces and things like that so that's all on marysantora.com nice dating yeah. column Are you dating yeah. anybody <laughs> i'm not uh no 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 is it's, that tough to be in that to i mean talk about dating in your comedy sets too? yeah traveling and everything it's um it's not tough to talk about uh it's it's one of those things where some people never will gonna take believe it. what jared did the other night <laughs> right <laughs> some people will um some audience members will take that as an invitation to come talk to me and they're like oh i heard you i'm like that doesn't mean i want to date you uh, that's not just because i didn't have luck on tinder doesn't mean that this is your shot uh which is fine i know this might be mean to say whatever um but it's it's fine. It's honest. It's true. Everybody's dated before. It's very relatable material. Um, but with comedy and the amount that I'm on the road, it is difficult to hold down a like serious relationship, I guess would be the way to describe it. But that's also not something that I'm looking for right now. It's one of those things where I, this is this is what I'm doing and I'm having so much fun and it's just getting better and better by the month, by the year. So it's like I don't really want anything kind of tying me down right now and you know have a little fun on the side and have a good time and that's great but comedy is my main focus and comedy is my boyfriend right now you know and it's it's pretty great it's a great relationship that's That's a great way to put it right yeah (laughs) it it. is and it's it's also hard to tell people that when like they'll be interested for a couple weeks and it's a cool little muse and oh that's so awesome you're chasing your dream and they're like what do you mean you're gone 22 days in november and i'm like we talked about this like i don't know (laughs) why this is a surprise to you you know so uh yeah it's it's pretty cool (laughs) <laughs> you want to go to North Dakota? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. And that's right. like, well, you can't exactly come with, you can fly out here, but right. I'm going to be gone driving around for the next two weeks, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. But it's cool. It's really cool. And it's taken me a lot of work to get to a point where that is what I want. There was, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh my God, I'm a strong, independent woman. And I love to be, you know, there was the last two years of my life have been like, why don't I have a boyfriend, you know? <laughs> uh, and in the last year, I've done a lot of personal work uh, in a lot of different areas. You know, I quit drinking. I've been, uh, you know, just focusing on myself and what I want out of comedy and things like that. So I've been changing a lot about me in the last year. And I think it's really helped to get me to a place where it's like, hey, you know, a relationship will come when it's time. Let's focus on this for now. That's awesome that, so, yeah. like, you mentioned the quitting drinking thing. Yeah. Because I know that, like, you a lot of people associate, like, you know, a comedian, they'll go up, have a drink, and then go up and do their, do their set. Yeah. So, like, that's just... That's well. You see a lot of the historically a lot of the the, the stereotypical stand up comedians, and you've got like the I don't know any names, like, like the, but like a the lot Ron, of them, the Ron White with Ron the glass White. Of he's her, got an entire right. bottle yeah, the, yeah, of bottle scotch next to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is um, it is an industry that a lot of people uh, do drink, and it's very, it lends itself well to that. And if you can handle it, that's awesome. You can go have a couple of drinks and be on stage and whatever it is, that's good for you. I was one of those people who could not handle it. It was well, it was not a one glass of wine and done. It was two bottles of wine and don't remember what I said to people. You know what I mean? So right. it was just for the better to cut it out. It's, Sh- it's Show up and throw up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Show up, throw up, Mike. That's great. 
Yeah. So yeah, it, that's one of those things that was, if it's not, it wasn't helping me in any type of a way. It was hurting my career. It was hurting my personal relationships. And it was like, you know what? It's time to kick this habit. So, and I just celebrated eight months of sobriety. So awesome. Cool. Congratulations. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. No, I, I'm just thinking of like, so Saturday Night Live, like behind the scenes stuff of like the, the stuff, like when you hear about like uh, Adam Sandler and stuff, talk about like what was going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. of these comedy shows and stuff like that. It's so cool to hear somebody say, eight months sobriety yeah like that's it's so refreshing so yeah it's funny too because you uh like i said there's people who drink normally all the time where you just go out and have a couple drinks and you go home and you had a good night right um in comedy and i was also a bartender forever so in both service industry and comedy there's parallels there where you see people who either drink like monsters and they don't stop and it's like how do i don't know how you function i don't know how you live this way and then there's completely sober people you know there's a couple in in the mix but usually it's like Oh, this person I'm working with this weekend, man, he's a partier. I gotta, I can't wait, you know, or whatever your <laughs> oh, your this thing is. Gonna be a is. blast. Yes. Or, oh, I can't. Oh, I can't. Yes, I can't believe it. you know. And then you're like, you go hard all week, and you feel like death for a week, you know. Uh, <laughs> I dread this weekend. Right. Or you're looking, you're like, oh man, he he's out till four every night, you know, or she, whoever. But uh, yeah, it's it's a quitting was I was like, nervous about being in comedy and being in bars. But what I'm realizing is that nobody really cares what you do. Like no funny. one. Well, yeah. And in, in life in general, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. if you're not like nobody cares yeah. if you're having a drink, if you're at a bar and you don't drink, literally no one cares. Like they're like, well, I'm drinking. I don't care. Oh, you don't want a shot? Cool. And I was like, what if I say no? And then people and no, no one cares. So that made it a lot easier once I got a hold of like, oh, everyone's doing their own thing and no one's paying attention to what I'm doing. So it doesn't really matter. But. Yeah. What about crowds and drinking? Um, you said earlier you have like different kind of jokes for like the different types of the nights and mm-hmm. stuff like that. If it's overly intoxicated, like overly drunk, does it just become a mess? Or a lot of the time, yeah, because people are we've everyone's seen drunk people. You're wasted. You're just shouting. You're talking. Even if you're just talking to your friend, it's at a higher level. Yeah. And you're spilling things. Um, but it is one of those things where. When it is a, a largely drunk crowd, I, I tend to shift towards crowd work and talk to them and kind of control it. Um, that's just me personally, and that's not what a lot of people do. Um, but you got to get their attention somehow. Where it's like, hey, guys, focus. Come on. We're all up here. Everybody look this way. So by talking to them, it kind of puts them on alert. You pull one person out. Like, I don't want her to talk to me. And they'll kind of get quiet. And it's not even necessarily done in a mean way. I'm not scolding them. I'm not doing anything. Just but roasting them or no, anything? No, 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 no. <laughs> I have done hey, that before. Baldy. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> I've done it before. It's a skill I keep in my back pocket. I don't want to have to be mean to you. I really don't. But if you're going to continue to be this way, I will. And you're going to lose because this is what I do for uh, a living. It's yeah. almost like... A- <laughs> you mentioned being like being a bartender too. I feel like that there mm-hmm. you in the in the parallels like oh, it's yeah. the same thing like okay, you're done for the night like Dude. And I tell people cuz I get <laughs> I get complimented on crowd work quite a bit where like hey, you you do really well with that cuz it's all off the cuff and I'm like I attribute that largely to being a bartender. I'm like I have dealt with drunk idiots for a profession for years. So it's like now they're just all facing me. Like that's the only right. difference is that everybody's <laughs> looking the same way this time. You know, so uh yeah, you just kind of develop those skills and stay on your toes and keeping a keeping a rowdy crowd interested and focused can be very difficult. Um, but that's it goes along with the game, you know. Vice versa, opposite side of that, a good crowd that's mm-hmm. really into everything. You have any like great memories, anything that sticks out? Oh man, there's some shows where you just are like this is unbelievable. Where you're just on fire and uh 
I was in Portland a couple weeks ago with a comedian named Dan Cummins. He's been great to me. Super funny dude. Got a super successful podcast. So he's starting to kind of sell out everywhere he goes. What's his podcast called? Uh, it's you know? called Time Suck. Time yeah, Suck. Look it up. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> Dan's been so great to me. He's taken me on the road with him for like six weekends this year. So that's awesome when a headliner will take you and be like, this is my opener, you know? So you get to go to clubs you've never been to or places you've never been. And uh, we were playing a comedy club called The Helium in Portland. And um, the shows were incredible, but the Friday night or the Saturday night 7.30 show was like, you couldn't get a word out without these people laughing. Like they were just so good and they were so into comedy and they were just happy to be there and so excited that like I would do a setup. It wasn't even the punchline. I would just be like, you know, so I was in the grocery store the other day and they'd be like, ah, and I'm like, send me the funny part, like, you know? But there's just some crowds that are like that, that when you stand there and then after my set was over, it was great. They were just loving it. Applause break after applause break. And when I was done and I was like, thank you guys so much. My name is Mary Santora. They like cheered for a solid minute and I like looked and Dan was standing in the wings. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, this is, like I'm not even, I'm not even the person what's they're happen- here to see. Happening? Right. Yeah. yeah. This isn't even, this is your show. Like, I don't right. know what's happening right now. Um, but those, awesome. those can happen at times you're not even expecting to. Like a sold out comedy club, you're, ex- yeah, this is going to be a good time. Um, that same run that I was on the West Coast, I did a winery and there was like 65 people in this super tiny room and there was no microphone. And when you show up and they're like, hey, we don't have a mic, but we have a podium. You're like, I'm not giving oh, a TED a talk. Like, what are you doing <laughs> with this? Right. You know, graduation. Right. <laughs> um, and you just are like, this is going to be a nightmare. But uh, that was one of the best sets I've ever had. The crowd was super into it. There was this lady in the in the audience I have a bit about puzzles and I was I was like she's like I love puzzles and we're like I was like what do you love about and so her and I are getting into it and she was telling me there's some just being super weird about why she liked puzzles so much and I was like do you like sit down at your dining room table with all your mannequins and do your puzzles (laughs) and her face like her face dropped and I was like you do not have mannequins and then her husband was like she has mannequins so it was just one of those like perfect storm type of things oh man and I had people coming up to me after the show were like did you know her did you plan I was like no I wasn't a plant I'm in I'm in Oregon like I'm from Ohio how would I have known this person oh that's so Um, awesome but from it was nuts and so but then from that moment on it was like the crowd was like get out and it's just you can't recreate that type of a show yeah but with the small room the packed house and just something so crazy happening it was so much fun and then after that you know her and I played along for a little while we went back and forth and then everybody is so involved in what's happening that they are like I can't wait to see what what she says next you know so it makes for a really good time I was gonna say that connection with the audience too like must help too as soon as they're on your side as soon as they trust you which is why it's so important to open strong to go out there and be like funny right out of the gate or connect with them or you know just go back and forth and however you do it to get them on your side the quicker you do it the more they trust you throughout the set so is there anybody in particular that you've uh, really enjoyed working with uh, so far or anybody else that you like have a goal of maybe working with yeah like I said Dan's been so great to me and he's such a funny dude and I love his style of comedy it's a little bit more storytelling but it's funny throughout throughout like it's just hits every 15-30 seconds of punchlines but it's an 8 minute story that's my favorite oh, nice. um, and he's been so sweet taking me around so he's definitely one of my tops and then I guess who I would want to be one day uh, would be Brian Regan oh uh, yeah uh, he's <laughs> incredible he's so funny but he has the perfect career because he can go to pretty much any city in the country sell out a theater make a bunch of money, have a ton of fun. He brings people with him, so he gives really good opportunities to younger comics. And then he can go 10 miles away and have a drink in a bar, and nobody really is going to bother him. 
You know, he has a very, he's very comedy famous. Yeah, and he's clean comedy. He's clean, like which, yeah, he can do anything. He can do a corporate, he can do this, he can do that. I don't know if necessarily I'm a clean, com- I swear a lot, but that's just how I talk, <laughs> you know. Um, but to have that, where you can go to any town, people are there, you have a, a solid fan base all over the country, you can sell out shows, and then you can go just kind of enjoy your night. Whereas someone like Kevin Hart can't go drink right. at a bar or can't go hang out, Amy Schumer, like those really next level comics yeah. where everybody recognizes them. I feel like you almost get to a certain point and then like you, you've kind of like reach a peak there where you like can't do a whole lot. Like I remember like growing up, I watched like my fa- like my family's from West Virginia. So it was like the blue collar comedy tours on yeah. Christmas Eve. Like uh-huh. we're going to watch, Ron, <laughs> right, 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 we're going right. to watch you know, Larry the Cable Guy. So like those guys, and I actually saw them um, before they got like big, big um, at Mountaineer at the casino in, in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like they like hit their crescendo and then they like kind of split off and did their own separate things. And then yeah. it was like Dane Cook, who was huge. And then like he fell out and it was like Daniel Tosh, who was huge. And then like, the, like it's interesting to see people come up and then like where the, where things go from there. So the cool thing about comedy is that there really is no limit. You know, like you can ride that wave and when you start to get big and now you're doing arenas and things like that, it's it's up to you where you want to go from there. You know, you can take the time and you can uh, write out another really solid hour and wait a couple years and put it out. But continuous content is something that's um, very difficult, especially in this time, because people want entertainment all day, every day, immediately. So a lot of people like Dane Cook, so he, you work so hard on your first hour where it's like eight years that I've been doing this and I still don't have my first hour set, right? And then your first hour breaks and everyone's like, oh my God, it's so good. You're like, yeah, I've been doing it for 12 years. And then they want (laughs) another hour the next year. Right, well, and then they want another hour the next year. And it's just very difficult yeah. to do. That's so an inter- that's an interesting perspective because that's something I wouldn't have thought about. Well, yeah, to, to push out material as quickly as people want it. I mean, and Kevin Hart even, his first couple specials were great. And then he toured with his fourth and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, it wasn't as good as the first one. It's like, well, you didn't see all the besi- behind the scenes work that he did for 15 years right. tagging that joke. And like I have a joke that I've been doing for about three years and I just added a new, a tag is like a joke within a joke, yeah. right? So I just added a new tag to it last week. And I've been doing it for three years. So it's like material's never really done. But when you're being constantly pressed to put out new stuff, put out new stuff, it's going to lose the quality a little bit unless you're a monster and you just are funny and hilarious and you can do that. Um, which there are some people like that, Dave Chappelle, you know, who can yeah. put out four hours at once right? and it's all perfect. <laughs> oh, my like, God. God damn, dude. Like, what is going on? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but a lot of people, like you mentioned, Dane Cook or Daniel Tosh or I even said Kevin Hart or Amy yeah. Schumer. Yeah. Amy Schumer put out the leather special when she had her own TV show and she had just had a special like a year or two before. And so it's just a lot to spread yourself that kind of thin. And people are like, oh, they fell off. Or, oh, they just aren't funny anymore. And it's like, no, you aren't giving them the time to develop the material like they need to. So, I mean, that's also on the artist. You can take the paycheck and you can be like, yeah, sure, I'll pump out a new hour. Right. Or you can take the time, make a really great special, and then put it out a couple years later. So there's a lot of different ways that you can go about that kind of stuff. But Is it like a good, like a big community? Like all the comedians and stuff like that? I mean, do you, have you like met like the Dane Cooks and Dave Chappelle's and stuff like that? Like Not not as big. I've met Brian Regan. I've met a couple, a couple big. I've met Bill Burr. I've met a couple really big nice. names. I love Bill um, Burr. Oh, right. he's the best. <laughs> he's, he's so funny. Awesome. I literally used the Bill Burr bit the other day when we were yeah. talking about the dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, it is when you start working clubs and you start actually doing it full time and traveling around the country, you realize it's a much smaller community than you think it is. Um, sure, there's, I mean, there's probably 150 or 200 comics in Cleveland alone you know, going to open mics and working on their craft and trying to get to the next level. Um, When you start going out into clubs, you start to see kind of the same 
couple hundred people and you start to realize okay these are the people who are working towards it and you see the different levels um but it is a community everybody knows everybody and when you realize there's only 500 working comedians or a thousand who are out every week who are out doing it it's a lot smaller than you think it is if you put it in terms of a town yeah if you came from a town that only had a thousand people everyone knows what everybody's doing yep exactly. you know so it is it's exactly <laughs> like that it's it's just like any other office or anything you work in only you know a different type of a job so it is a tight-knit community it is i mean there's jealousy there's bickering there's clicks there's all that it that goes along with anything um but it is a lot smaller than you think it is who are some of your favorites oh boy um <laughs> brian regan obviously is probably my favorite of all time i really love kathleen madigan i don't know if you guys have heard of her or not but she's fantastic uh there was a time when i like was so obsessed with her and i was mimicking her pretty hard um but she's just straightforward she's like this is who i am this is where i came from she's super funny she has a i, I tended to lean towards storytellers um it's just more interesting to me and more fun when you can kind of take people on that like Journey, journey almost yeah, 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 sure, yeah. Of, of of a story i love kathleen madigan again bill burr brian regan um i really like kyle canane i don't know if he's a he's got a couple albums out he's doing well for himself he's getting to that point where he's selling out theaters and things like that dan cummins who i travel around with chad daniels is really fantastic so there's just a never-ending list of people that you can that you can look into and like um a good friend of mine, Megan Gailey, just released her first album. So there's just like at any different level, there's a hundred comics I can name who are who are fantastic. Um, but yeah, those would kind of be my. So do you you like look up to them kind of like can you like yeah. you said you mimic uh, not not like how, explain that like because you can't like yeah. take their material. No, you don't take their material. But, but what you see in comics a lot when they first start out is you'll watch them and be like, oh, they like Dane Cook because they're kind of doing the same high energy and jumping around and that. Or you can take someone and be like, oh, they like Anthony Jeselnik, who's like a darker one-liner comic. So you can kind of see when comics are first starting who influenced them gotcha. or ranty comics who want to take on hard social issues. Be like, we get it. You watched Carlin, you know, like, so when you're first starting out, uh, you kind of, that's all, you know, you're like, oh, this is the comedy I like. I'm going to try and do it that way. And then that develops into, like I mentioned earlier, when you find your voice and you find the way that you perform, um, you kind of come out of that a little bit and people hold on to certain aspects. And there's plenty of times where I'll say something and I'm like, oh, that, that was a Kathleen thing. Like, you know, (laughs) and it just happens that way because, you know, you, you appreciate them. You look up to them. You like the way that they do things or, um, you learn a lot from them and, so you kind of hold on to it, but eventually you grow out of that. You find your own way and make your own path through it. So what goes into like making a good joke and how do you like, how do you, how do you write jokes? How do you come up with material? Because like when I watch a comedian or, I, or I'm listening to comedy, I'm sitting here thinking, and I like a lot of like the story based, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, comedy too. And I just, I'm, I can't help but I find myself sitting here thinking, going like, did this really happen or did they make this up? Like, yeah. it, like how much of this is real? How much is this a comedy a, of... Uh, I like, mean, a lot of comics oh, when they're... Whoa, you okay? <laughs> You're so excited. I know, you I need to settle down. He's a Dan Cook fan. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. jumping around like a crazy person yeah. over here. Relax. Um, he's going to start biting the microphone. Right, yeah, right. Uh, no, so a lot of it... I would say most comedians, at least that I've known and worked with, uh, it's all at least based in truth. If it's not 100% true, there are some comics who are like, I don't want to add a single tag that isn't true. And they stick to that. Um, I do probably 75-25, where it'll be based in reality, and then you gotta, I'll take little things and add it, and be like, okay, well, no, that isn't exactly how it happened, but it's embellished. I want this to be a performance. So I'm going to make it bigger than it is, I'm going to make it funnier than it is, and sometimes the truth will be like, oh, that's a funny scenario, but here's how I can tag it and make it even funnier. Um, 
but the process of writing a joke, there's so many different ways you can do it. And a lot of people have asked, like uh, other comics have asked, like, oh, what's your writing process? And I take a lot of real life scenarios that I think are funny and then just kind of try to retell them in a way that everybody will understand. So if it's something that happened in my family, I know my family really, really well. How can I relate this so that everybody understands my family as well as I do? Um, but then there's also times like um, there's a show, again, Bill Squire runs that he calls Stand and Deliver. So you get five topics at the beginning of a show. You have an hour to write jokes on each of those topics. <laughs> so that's a writing that's exercise awesome. where yeah. there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And But you sit down and that's a completely different writing exercise where you're like, okay, I would never think about owls, but now I have to. <laughs> like, you know, so then you have to, you have an hour to write a joke about an owl. So it's like you kind of sit down and you either use your past experiences or you try to write a funny little one-liner about it. Um, so, yeah. There's a lot of different ways. Uh, I've never been good at writing short jokes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I would yeah. be like, uh. Yeah. So that's I would literally start that out with like, okay, so I was asked to tell a joke about an owl. Well, so <laughs> the like, crowd gets it. They, right, we like, set it up and we're like, okay, hell, so you guys shout out topics. We're going to pick five of them. These two comics have an hour <laughs> to go write. And then the crowd's like ready for it because they know you, you just wrote those jokes. You're not allowed to use jokes you already have. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Man. So it's a really cool writing exercise. Um, but there's plenty of different ways. Some people, um, what helps me a lot is that I'll like free write or journal where I sit down and I'll just type on my computer and there's no pressure to be funny. Just write about my day or write about whatever happened over the past week or month or however long it's been. And then it kind of just gets creativity flowing. And then I can kind of go through my day from a different headspace where I'm not all clogged down with what I have to do this week or whatever. I kind of got all that out. And now I'm free to kind of look around at situations and be like, oh man, th did everybody just see that? Or was it just me? You know? Right. So there's a lot of different ways to go about it. And what works for one person might not work for another. So the, yeah. The concept of like trialing, of trying jokes out too on, yeah. on, um, on audiences is r always really interesting to me. You mentioned like open mic nights. Yeah. When I was in uh, New York a couple of years ago, I, um, we were, a buddy and I were wandering around the NBC store and an intern came up to me and she was like, would you guys want tickets to see Seth Rogen, I'm sorry, Seth Myers, um, rehearse his monologue for tonight? He's gonna he's gonna do twice the amount of jokes. He basically is. You're basically the test audience and for then he takes what you what see. What works yeah. and puts what, it in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was interesting because you know they they run they gather you back up a couple hours later and you know they run through you know we're, we'll be in the studio. Seth will come out. You know, here's what happened. And um, they're like you know if you laugh if you think if your jokes laugh are funny laugh if you don't. You know, you can, you can just sit back. And there was one woman who didn't. Every time she heard a joke that she didn't like, she would sit in the back and go, "No." Oh, dude, it happens, like, dude. That's why, like, so that happens in real life in like, open oh mics like, all the time. People just think that their opinion matters, and they shout it out, and you're like, "What?" Or yes, it was like, "No, thanks." It was hilarious. She made the experience. Like, I, I, like, came back from this trip, think like, "Oh man, I'm gonna have this awesome story." Like, we got to see Seth Meyers, and like, I, I saw that joke before. He told it. No, the best story was like this woman sitting in the back, just no. It's the worst. I don't encourage that. I, I mean, I'm sure he doesn't either, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, no, that's but, awesome. Uh, testing out jokes on stage for me personally is, I think, the best way to do it. So even I don't really sit down and write. Like I said, I don't sit down and write out a joke word for word. This is how I want to say it. I'll take what I think is a funny premise. And I'll take it on stage and be like, well, well, let's talk through this. And I think that's the most natural way to figure it out. So that way, this is exactly how I would tell the story. It's not because your written voice is different than your speaking yeah, voice. Yeah, for sure. You know, like when I write pieces for the magazine, it reads differently than if I were to say it on stage. So I just take an idea, talk through it. You'll find the funny beats. People might shout no at you if it's not good. <laughs> and then you kind of, you take it and be like, so it starts out, say it starts out as like a four minute piece of you just kind of rambling through it. And then you listen back to that recording. 
you record record all your sets on your phone. Uh, and then, so I'll listen back to that recording. I'll take the funny parts of it and then condense it down from four minutes to like two and a half minutes. Get to it quicker and then, again, take the funny parts of it, maybe embellish a little bit. And then now that joke is a really solid 45-second bit where it's just hit, 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 and you can move on to the next thing. Is that so, like the goal? The 45, Is there like a time? Sorry, is uh, there a time goal for, I mean, no, I guess every joke is different. Right? Every joke's different. There's, I mean, some... Comedy classes will tell you there's a thing called laughs per minute, um, LPM, whatever, that you want to have three laughs per minute. But not every story lends itself to a joke every 15 seconds or 20 seconds. And, so, and an hour? Like three yeah, per and that's, that's the other. and that's the other thing. If you're up there for a long time or you're telling a longer story, that jokes aren't, or sometimes stories aren't funny for that long. Um, so I think it's good to have a good mix where you can kind of go a minute or a minute and a half, but the longer you go, the bigger that payoff better be. So if you're going to go a minute without a laugh that better be a huge laugh at the end. Which So there's there's give and take to it. Um, you want to be as entertaining as possible for as often as possible. Um, but yeah, so there's not necessarily a set time where every 20 seconds you need to have a punchline. But, you know, it matters. Back to being an art form, right? Yeah, like exactly. A, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Mm. Can you recommend any classes? I don't, honestly, I'm a little bit disconnected from okay. that. So I don't know. I know Dave Swenson does one over at the Improv. I think he still does it. I'm almost positive. I know a lot of comics have come out of that, have started in that. Uh, a good friend of mine, Cody Cooper, who's a fantastic local comic, um, he started in that. And you have like a graduation show where you invite people out and it's super fun. And then you can kind of, all right, you're free, baby bird. Go off and <laughs> find your open mics. And, you know, so which is cool. Um, as far as locally goes, I think I think that's the only one. Um, but yeah, I unfortunately don't have a, a super great answer for that. Would you be open to people sending you stuff like on Instagram or like just like tagging you stuff like that? Like without like destroying like your whole inbox and stuff like yeah. that. Is that like a thing? <laughs> do people send you things? Sometimes people will be like, hey, do you mind watching this clip? Do you mind? Uh, I'm trying to get into comedy. Where can I go? I'm always open to giving suggestions and giving advice. And I, I never, I would never tell anybody not to seek that out. Like if you right. want to start comedy, absolutely reach out to somebody who's already been doing it. Or like I said, that Cleveland Akron comedy Facebook page is fantastic. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily want a hundred people to send me their <laughs> 10 minute clips. Well, there's only, thir only 13 that listen to this podcast. Hey, well, there you go. Uh, but Thanks, mom. I am, uh. <laughs> I am very busy with between radio and traveling and doing my own standup. Um, but I try, I do try to get back to everybody. So if somebody does message me, I, I try my best to at least see it, acknowledge it and get back to you when I can. So yes and no. Did you send your <laughs> stuff to people when you were getting into it? Um, like, not do, do you really. Critique? Do you get critiques and stuff like that? Well, like, I mean, your hey. critique is if you're not getting laughs. You know, you're that's the Makes thing sense. about yeah. a live yeah, feedback. A live performance, you're getting a like you said immediate feedback. If you're up there and a joke doesn't work, you don't really need to ask somebody if it was good or not. <laughs> True. Like the whole room didn't laugh. No, it's not a good joke. Like you know, so <laughs> Let's try another room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or try a different way to tell it. Um, so that's the kind of the cool thing is you don't really need critique. Or I have a couple friends that I trust pretty heavily that I'll be like, Hey, man, I'm working on this new bit. It's almost there. Will you just watch it? It's, and they'll be like, it's this bit about whatever, about pasta. And they'll be like, sure. And then I'll get into it. And then if I come off, they like, hey, I think it'll work if you switch this and this or if you take this out or if maybe try putting it after a different joke. Like, so there's, a, again, a whole art form to like, maybe this joke will work better earlier in your set because it sets up who you are and, and then it kind of lends itself easier to the goofy stuff later so where it where a joke is in your set matters how long it is if you switch the setup with the punchline you know so that's that's kind of what I rely on my comedy friends for is I'll be like hey I don't really know where this belongs 
I don't really have a place in my set for it yet. Will you just watch? And they'll be like, yeah. And then they'll give you advice about it. So. I want to see you live. <laughs> Come see me live. Where, yes. When's the next time you're going to be here? Somewhere in Ohio. Okay. I leave Wednesday. I'm trying to think. Uh, the 29th, the day after Thanksgiving, I will be at Battery Park Pub uh, in Battery Park. So, yeah, kind of on 76th in yeah. Detroit. Um, I run a monthly show there called Final Fridays. So, I'll do, be there the 29th. I have a very funny friend from Indianapolis coming in. His name's Alec, Alex Price, and he's headlining. But I'll open the show. It's my show. So, I do 15 minutes up front, run the show, bring up the other comics. It's a really, really good time. Uh, also going to be celebrating my birthday that night awesome, so nice. if anybody's listening you should come out to battery park pub and uh again tickets for that at marysantora.com but that's kind of like a home base for me where i was like this is my show this is what i run you guys can come out and it'll be a, a fun time and you know you'll get good comedy and uh that's a place where i will kind of do what it calls sandwiching material so i'll do a couple minutes up front that i know work i'll do some new stuff in the middle that i'm like hey guys we're gonna play around for a little bit and then i'll close out on some jokes that i know work so that way it's you're still getting a good show but i can also kind of workshop things so yeah nice no, sure. november 29th friday know, right? it's the <laughs> final like, friday it's the awesome. last friday of it's, every month yeah. so which makes sense so. is it every month you do this yeah i'm doing it there for november and december um they've switched hands a couple times so i'm actually meeting with them tomorrow about you know the future but definitely the last friday november and december will be there and then um 2020 we'll see what comes but yeah nice perfect i'm pumped i know i know Definitely. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank thanks, you guys so much for us. having Mary me. Mary Santora, awesome. uh, Instagram and Twitter once again, so in case anybody's listening and wants to follow along. Um, Instagram is Mary Santora Comedy. Twitter is Mary underscore Santora. And then website is MarySantora.com. Perfect. And we have yeah. been giving our guests these recently. Oh, yes. <laughs> two, skinny uh, two skinny ties. I love it. <laughs> Mug. Uh, That's you guys, huh? Two skinny ties? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's whatever. That's what we wear. I so, love it. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. You. Stop. <laughs>